bringing to you the stories that have never been told, the news that has yet to unfold, and the voices you have not heard. This is the Caribbean Cannabis Channel, where we meditate and educate on all things ganja within the Caribbean region, with your host, Prophet Nati. Blessed greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Today, we're in for a treat. Where we are actually sitting with an OG. At least I see her as an OG. I've been following her work, um, the advocacy that she has been doing for, for many years since I actually became interested in cannabis and cannabis advocacy on the whole. She's one of my kinswoman. She heals from the island of Trinidad and Tobago, the sweet twin island state. And we have joining us Nazma Mula. Nazma, how are you today? How, how are you feeling? Very airy, very airy. I just had a nice local growing by a cistern, um, organic, no chemicals in her backyard in Trin City. So the aeration is very nice. It's good to connect with. That's why that sounds like a that sounds like a vibe. Like I, I haven't gotten I've got I haven't gotten like a local from Trinidad in a minute because I'm overseas right now. But for sure, some of the best local I've had is from my home home country. So I understand that feeling. So so Nazma, I. I understand that you have been doing advocacy, not just for, for cannabis, but just social development as a whole. And there are many people who may see you and not necessarily understand the mission or where the passion came from and why, why you still do it. So a, a lot of persons will say it's, it's hardcore advocacy. You don't necessarily see a lot of persons advocating on the same level that you would do. Um, some of them may see it as more old school style of advocacy, which I still see is important. And we need that that visualization of what's actually happening. And we need some um someone who actually pushes the movement um in the same speed that persons before have done. So I, I just want to start off with with getting like where where the passion came from, where the drive came from in terms of your your cannabis advocacy. Well, I used to be a reporter with the Express newspapers in Trinidad, the Trinidad Express. And I remember being, actually, no, I started at the Express in 1993. I had only started smoking when I was 23, which is 1996. Um, and the experience was mind-blowing. Um, it really opened up my mind. And so when it when it was passed in California, I said, but they're wrong. These people were saying that marijuana is bad for you. They're wrong because look, these set of people in California just legalize it, you know? So if they can do it. And they reap any profit. Right? The fourth or fifth largest economy in the world, largest world economy is California, off of the agriculture. And, and why are we in the tropics just not taking advantage? Why are we just allowing ourselves to, to be dependent mentally, spiritually, health-wise? What we eat, everything is being controlled by outsiders, by people who are not really interested in our well-being. Mm -hmm. Right. This is clear from the fight that we're still getting, even through our own government, to free up the herb. So, like today, I got a, a message from the Parliament of Trinidad and Tobago, 
because I, I asked, you know, yesterday or day before, what's going on? Has it been proclaimed? And they, um, they said, yes, it was. And they sent me a snapshot showing that it had been assented to by the president on June whenever, and that it was, it was published in the Gazette a couple of weeks after. So I didn't know what published in the Gazette meant. I thought it meant proclaimed, that means it's now law. And then they messaged me back just now to say, oops, apologies, it has not been proclaimed. Wow. So we have waited three years for very flawed legislation to be corrected, amended, gone to the Senate, debated, amended, sent back to the lower house, approved, sent to the president, assented, but not proclaimed. And until it is proclaimed, it is not law. And who, who, right. who tells the president to proclaim it? I want you to guess. The PPM. The prime minister, the cabinet. So this democracy that they're fooling us with is what drives my passion, to open people's eyes, to see the truth, that we, as the people of the tropics, the people of the sun, we are the powerful people. They want to come back here. The people who rule the world know that Caribbean is really and the tropics, or the sun, where the sun is. The richest, one of the richest places in the world. And that's why they're always after us. That's why they're always after Africa. That, that's very interesting though, because you you went from journalism, experiencing cannabis yourself and realizing the injustice that has been happening to it. Not just when you saw it in, in California, but also regionally, because we, we have a, a rich history of ganja use across the region, whether it be right here in Trinidad and Tobago with indentured laborers or in, in Jamaica, who is normally seen as like the face of, of ganja for the region. But a lot of persons don't necessarily understand why it's important to, to reclaim that. And your advocacy also speaks to why we need to reclaim that ganja use. So why do you really see it as important, apart from um, reclaiming justice for, for persons or health and wellness? Is there anything else that, that also speaks to you about um, cannabis empowerment? Well, I mean... The thing is, it's part of us. It's in our DNA. We have an endocannabinoid system. You know, the research, the science is only now catching up with what nature designed so perfectly to cure us of any ailments. And I can show you the research. I can show you. I've made contact with the godfather of cannabis, Dr. Raphael Meshulam in Israel. And he said to National Geographic in 2015, that it is possible that cannabis contains the chemical compounds to cure every illness known to mankind. Imagine that, that within one plant, there's, there are all the compounds that can restore you from illness to perfect health. Wow. Imagine that. And this is, a, this is a biochemist who has been working in Israel. He's never used cannabis. He's a scientist. For 40 years, he's been getting weed from... America, because he's being funded by America mm. to, to discover what it, is, what it is in this plant that makes Bob Marley who he is, that makes these Jamaicans so powerful, that makes them, when they speak, captivate the world. What is it that gives them this vibration, this iration? And they cannot stop it. So that's why it belongs to us. Because we, um, when I say we, I mean the Caribbean really, 
we are the perfect crucible that cannabis has been has gone through so much. It's been, you know, blood, sweat, tears, time, fines, jail, prison. We have gone through so much for this herb. It is our right. It is our legacy. It is our inheritance. And that is why I fight for it, because this is what is going to restore my people to their rightful place in the world. Because it's also better, like, it's, it's in our DNA, as you rightfully said, and it continuously, even from centuries before, it has been a part of the, not just the medical use of society, but persons have used it for reaching higher levels of consciousness, healing all the different ailments, or just um, opening up creativity and productivity amongst different groups of persons. Actually, I'm reading a book right now called Sacred Bliss from Mark Ferreira. Like he he goes through the history of cannabis from from the far east uh, even in, in the Caribbean and it's it's in literally every society and literally every walk of life and has so many different uses and again we continuously limit ourselves to to that um as you continuously say and we need to reclaim it as as our as our own as it's part of our DNA. Now I know that you do a lot of work on your own because most of the times. You, you we would see you with just your your sign and you may have one or two persons but is it n- normally you alone who who drives cannabis advocacy where you go or you usually work with a team behind the scenes or anything of the sort well what happened is um i have a an ngo called the caribbean collective for justice um but my board we had some issues because they were in, they became involved with a political party one of my directors so the board has been suspended so the NGO is not functioning as it should because I have to reconvene a new board. I'm looking for the right people to make the Caribbean Collective for Justice what it, it could be, which is um, a movement to restore ecological, environmental justice and social justice because we need both at the same time. So I'm coming from a degree in sociology, 20 years of research in Jamaica, anthropological, ethnographic research, um, working in the media in the UK, six years in the UK with national newspapers, um, been to 17 countries. And for me, the only way that we in the Caribbean can really um, benefit from the gift that was given to us, because we, we really, the Jamaicans especially, kept Jamaica, St. Vincent, all the little growers over the over since 1921, through the all the prohibition, they were the ones who kept ganja alive. Nobody was really talking about ganja in the world. Mm. Everybody forget, everybody forget about Jamaica and what Jamaica did by keeping those the seed bank alive, risking persecution, the locks getting cut, risking getting beat up by the police, by the Babylon, to keep those strains alive. So we 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 want we need some some compensation. We need reparations from our government for what we have suffered because those that trauma doesn't go away. You know, the people, the children who see their father, the Rasta father, get licked and and cuff and and throw in the back of the van and you know had a, a pay in court. I mean, a first people's chief in Trinidad was stripped naked. And force, I see that for myself. I didn't see him naked. But when he was brought to court over some weed that the police run him down for in the bush in Blanche, he says, this is way long before 
decriminalization. Damn. And I really want the TTPS to face up to what they've done as an institution to the people of Trinidad over cannabis. I could bring you thousands of Rastafari who have been embarrassed, denigrated, humiliated, beaten, you know, for the ganja. And you gonna tell me we just gonna forget about all that? And this is why I just try to understand as well, like we everyone is, is right now, there's a there's a rush, there's a, a, a euphoria happening because we are seeing decriminalization, we are seeing legalization. And these things are good, yes, but we are also forgetting, as you mentioned, the people who have been holding the gan- ganja industry, whether person see it as illicit, that doesn't really matter because we, we're looking at the value as what the plant actually does for, for us as a people. And these are the same ones still being affected greatly by the prohibition of ganja throughout all the years. Now we're seeing all these fancy persons coming in and setting up shop, etc., buying up land here and there. But again, you continuously hear about the small ganja, so the Rastafarian farmers, or just those who have been holding the traditions of ganja farming for all these years. They're still trying to, to get that, that support or trying to get their foot into a door for an industry that they essentially created and would have held it in place for, for all these years. So that, that's, it, it, it's off. It, it's very off. But it's also admirable and interesting that you're coming from all this level of experience. Because sometimes a lot of persons will see advocates just out there and think, yo, what these people really doing? These people probably have no life. These people don't know what they're talking about. As you're coming from um, your background in sociology as well as being a, a journalist, switching into heavy advocacy, wh- what was the, the feedback like when you first started um, advocating for cannabis? and uh, what was the, the feeling that you had as well as hearing what persons would have responded to, to you? Well, I mean, it, it caused a lot of problems in my family. They were not supportive at all. In fact, you know, you know it, it, it was um, very negative feedback um, from those closest around me. Um, why are you doing this? Why are you, you know, you're going to get arrested? You know, the police don't lock you up. Um, and they did. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I, um, I was so convinced that I was right. And especially seeing what is happening around the world. Um, and then it, it, I had been living in Jamaica and it's practically legal in Jamaica and Jamaican's functioning. They're making music. They, they're running, they're running every, everybody else off the track. <laughs> they're winning all the races for sure. They they run in the country so well. Five million people come to see them, come to experience the place and smoke weed. They have 12 dispensaries. So, you know, the thing is, that is what had kept me going in the early stages, knowing that the bubble that we're in in Trinidad is going to burst, that more and more people are online, they're traveling. They're going to they're gonna realize that this is madness going on in Trinidad. Definitely. Especially when we complain and we have no money and it have no work and people could be planting weed and making oil like in Thailand. Thailand has no history of marijuana in the culture. Thailand's government has asked everybody to grow six plants to, to produce a million gallons of oil. Now they don't, they've told us they don't want no tourists really coming and smoking in Thailand, but they want the money. Mm-hmm. You understand? So I don't understand what is this puritanical um, pseudo-Christian or pseudo-religious 
acts to grind against cannabis that is keeping back us, the country, the unemployed, the farmers, the people who are sick from benefiting, you know? I mean, we've gone through all of this with the, with the law and all we ask now is to be able to go and buy some tested, regulated. All you're asking for, you're like asking for safe quality product. You know, that is curing millions of people around the world. Why can't we, we have access to it legally? We're getting it illegally, but we're getting cush. We're getting sick because of the cush. The cush is tainted. I mean, the demand is so huge and the supply is being tightly controlled by the drug cartels, the politicians, the crooked. Why does cannabis have to remain in the hands of the crooked and the corrupt? I will take it from them. As you mentioned, as you mentioned that, that um, like in terms of cush, et cetera, right? What's your thought, your thoughts on, on on that in terms of us supplying, well, receiving plenty of this kush or what we call colo from Venezuela, from Colombia, when we have so many local farmers who actually grow quality herb? That is not tainted or, or, or contaminated. Now, this is a public health issue. Yeah, yeah I, it always confu- confuses me when persons always opting for, for, for the kush poster. For, for better quality herb, like what, what's your thoughts on, on that? Because it's readily available. No, well, you remember it's different kinds of kush, just like herb. So you sometimes you have green kush, which is the clean, nice kush that we were originally getting when it first started coming. Correct. I remember that. Right. And that is that is probably like 600 or 500 an ounce right now in Trinidad. And then people, they started to introduce the nasty kush, the brown they, they want to have oil and whatever else is happening, cocaine. That funky smell, yeah. Funky thing that giving you a headache and making you sick. <laughs> you know, we've all been there because that's all that's available. And how come that's all that's available? Because even the illegal market, they don't care. They don't care if you get sick. So I don't understand why this is not a public health issue because you know people are smoking the kush and getting sick. They're getting loads up. They're getting rash. They're getting headache. They're feeling mm. nauseous, you know, all kinds of, of health issues. And we have local farmers producing high, high quality, organic, sun-grown herb. Of course, the problem is it's illegal. So you have to be able to know who have it. You know, all kind of drama. That's where the drama is really coming in with all the killings and the fighting over turf and who tea, who weed and who didn't pay for which block brick. Um, we we have to we have to move into the twenty first century with this. Definitely. So, see, I saw you're you're so well connected, not just with the local farmers, but I'm sure also with those who who are running the blocks, etc. Um, selling who what's 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 some of the the feedback um you have gotten from from the local farmers or those running blocks? Are they expecting um certain things or what is their their feedback? What are they looking forward to? getting in with the cannabis industry well, right now like i said the law hasn't been passed so we're still limited to just four plants per adult right for personal possession the legal supply just not they they want and they have to pass the law so they can set up an authority to issue licenses and to pass the regulations so that people grow know how to grow in order to pass the tests and to be able to sell the herb right so that, that requires millions in terms of um, a board. They've, they've made it as complicated as possible. You understand? They're trying to follow Jamaica. 
But Jamaica is already admitting that the Rastafari have been left out. Yeah, I saw a couple articles recently with that. Right. Out of all the money making going on in Jamaica, Rasta now get nothing. Rasta still a sell, a sell, you know, behind, you know, the shop. Mm-hmm. He can't come out because he doesn't have the money for the license. Now, in Trinidad, remember our farmers, because the price is so high for herb, because it's illegal, they can probably still afford a reasonable license because some of them make a lot of money when they sell their crop and they can, they want to come legal. They want to be able to come out in the open. They don't want to have to, because let me tell you, if and when they decide to, to issue licenses, the police are going to come down even harder on those who don't have licenses because that's just how it goes in Trinidad. Sadly. Everything is about the money. The, the judiciary have to get their cut. The police have to get their cut. The government have to get their cut. And then whatever is left for you, the farmer, good for you. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's sad how we, when you put it like that, because sometimes I, I'm sure a lot of persons have seen like, well, felt as though nothing is happening. You know, it seems as though we're just in a rock in a hard place. The persons don't really know where to go after. So, but as of now, in terms of the, the law that we are currently waiting to, to get the assent from the president, what, what's your thoughts on, on the bill itself? Is there anything that you believe should have been fixed that isn't fixed or something that you probably would have added that they have not added? Like, what's your thoughts on, on the bill that is that is out right now? Well, they, they're saying they're going to give out sacramental license to the Rastafari and any other religious body. So Hindus can use it as well and apply for a sacramental license. But you will not be able to, to sell it. You, it will not be a commercial license. Hmm. So Rastafari expected to grow their herb and just, you know, share it in the congregation, right? This, to me, is just so belittling. Unlimited. And so rank and disrespectful to the Rastafari. This bill, we, we wanted to go through because we can beat it still. We will find ways around it. True. To true. beat the police. But we needed to go through so that people who come together can find a cooperative and buy a license. We will beat the system, but we want it to be legal. Let's make this thing legal. And even though the playing field will be uneven, we are going to fix it. Correct. But we first must make sure that we our people operating within the law because we already know that the law is there trying to fight as long as much as possible. Exactly. That's what it's there to do, you understand? To uphold Babylon. But this is the power you have. The power will unite the people. The, the herb will unite the people. You see all this, all this disunity in Trinidad, it will end when the herb is legalized because everybody will benefit and we will go back to the natural state of bliss that we are entitled to. Yeah, we, are, we haven't seen that in a minute. If we want to smoke herb all day, we should be able to smoke herb all day. Blood clad. <laughs> yeah, if they, only, if they only know, they, they really should, they really should um, open, open it up and and fix it so that everybody could actually benefit and and make make their rightful views from from the injustice that has happened. Now, see, that's how we in twenty twenty two right now going into twenty twenty three. What what is like the vision for for you in terms of um your involvement with the cannabis movement, not just in Trinidad but also in other parts of the region? As I know that you do work and assist others in Jamaica and the other countries that you have your connections with. Like, what's your vision? And your mission? Well, all of the activists, all of the activists around the region, we are working on full legalization 
across the region, across CARICOM. That is our ultimate goal and we will achieve it. Not, and we want to see hemp grown in certain islands. We really need to come together and decide which islands. I think Guyana is perfect for hemp, certain parts of Guyana. Guyana can supply the entire region. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we need to come together to, to pool our resources. Um, Trinidad, Trinidad has a lot of chemists and, and engineers. Um, so I don't see why we cannot come together as a region and really satisfy the local demand first. Mm-hmm. Um, use, you know, really explore the potential of hemp to replace plastic, to build houses with hempcrete, to um, create CBD medicine, and um, to create paper, to do so many things that we can do with it. We, we are just lapsing. We're just sticking on, on all the bounty that we have, all the potential that we have, because we don't, we don't know we have it. The governments, the governments keep control of our minds and our ambitions and our visions. You know, Trinidadians have forgotten how to dream because you see the licking we get in the in the budget. Everybody knows to the grind, you're looking for the next dollar. There is no spiritual element to the herb anymore. Because people just need it. People just need it to 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 use the brain to bring down the blood pressure because they're dealing with so much and it's deliberate it's a global attack on you know the conscious people the people who know what really are going you know what else they'd be very funny to me like we literally would put forward proper solutions together like in terms of as i said you as well as the other activists are in the region um, because I would have met persons like Marcus. Um, I know that he also um does does work across the region and others. But we will put forward all these different solutions, the recommendations. They will ask for these things as well, and they would still come and do the exact opposite, or they will drag their foot, knowing that these things have been proven to benefit persons, not just on an economic level, but on a healing level, both mentally, spiritually, and physically. So. It, it always baffles me when, when we are dragging our foot like this. And I know that um, guy, and I'm not too sure if they have already legalized, but I know that they, they did put forward in terms of having an industry set up for hemp creation. I know Belize as well, they also have hemp as well um, legalized where they could actually grow. But I was discussing this as well, where, as you're saying, certain, certain countries within the region focuses on certain aspects. Like, for, for instance, for us, we are good with processing and we have low electricity, so we are better for doing extractions and these different things. Jamaica and St. Vincent, they have a wealth of, wealth of um, knowledge in terms of farming and cultivation, so they could assist in that aspect. And once we all work together, there's no reason why the Caribbean industry cannot compete on a global scale with, with others. Um, but first, as I said, we must satisfy our own needs locally and regionally before we could even think about international yes so i definitely see where, where that's happening um with work with persons such as yourself i'm continuously pushing the movement not being afraid of any of that and well, what what what's that day in the life of, of nazma like you're you're heading out in front of parliament how does that day actually work for you like walk us through that because a lot of people see you um a lot of them admire a lot of them probably not too sure what what you are actually doing what you're saying like 
how how was that experience on you hold for you when you step out onto the battlefield? The first the first time when I was arrested outside the parliament, that was my very first venture into protesting. The very first day I went out, a policeman came up to me and told me I can't protest. And and I said, Well, why not? And he said, You can't, you can't. I said, But I can. And he wanted my name and my address. He asked me three times where I lived. So I, I, I repeated it in Spanish the fourth time. <laughs> and he got really mad. And then um, I think I was walking off. And he must have said something to piss me off. And I said, free the effing weed. Because <laughs> I was just so frustrated. And he heard. And next thing I know, he grabs me. And he cut the placard. And he drags me into the car, car park, the garage of the parliament. And there were like nine or ten heavily armed police there. And so, I mean, that just got me so pissed off that I was determined to come back out the following week. And that is what I, and the thing is, well, when outside the parliament, on the waterfront, you have a lot of traffic mm-hmm. passing. So that is what kept me going because the police were, the, the, the drivers, the motorists were honking their horn in support. Free the, free the ganja, free the ganja. So that is what kept me going. And, and that, is, that is what made the parliament have to sit up and listen. Because week after week, they were seeing the, the support. So we have to find creative ways to show, to get the people to, to express and to empower the people. Going outside the Red House is not so, is more difficult because you have less traffic, less support, and it's easier to, for the police to grab you and, you know, nobody notices. So I have to be very strategic. I have to be very clever to ensure that the media are there to protect me in a way or that I have someone filming or recording. And, and yes, I have people passing, especially outside the Red House and shouting all kind of, why you don't go back home? You don't have nothing to do. You don't have no work. But I know the vision and I know what is going to, this is, this is the, I am doing this because it's the best thing for you, Trinidad and Tobago. I know what's best for you. <laughs> and this is why I admire you like you your energy and your consistency continues even so many years I, 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 even though I'm still new and fresh and getting into it like I've been following you I would say probably from like 2016 2015 and I don't think I've seen you like really fall off our, our pushing and looking for the justice for for the cannabis movement so if if nobody has told you before, just know that one, I appreciate you, and I, I'm sure that all of the other ganja activists and um, whether they are confident and forward with their with their approach, um, such as uh, for, or otherwise. Now, for for those of of us who probably now starting and probably want to get into the cannabis advocacy from whatever aspect of it, like what advice would you provide to the persons like that? Just learn as much as you can about the plants. Make sure and have your own plants because that is part of it. The magic of cannabis is actually growing it and seeing what it, how it, how it becomes what it is. You know, you know, have a have a relationship with the plant, and the plant will talk to you. And it will. That is how it, it was for me because when you meditate and you have a vision, whatever it is, each and every one of you who have been called to this have a particular role to play, and it will be revealed to you. You know, instinctively, intuitively, get back into. Trust in yourself, trust in the herb, what it is revealing to you. And you will, you will know when you have to do something, when you have to say something. And then you will, man, I tell you one time, I just got up from my seat and I walked towards 
the railings towards the Red House, just for some reason. And that, that very moment, Paris mm-hmm. Alroy walked by and I got a chance to cuss him. Not obscene language, but I get a chance to tell him what I had to tell him face to face because he'd been running from me. That's the Tipoma Attorney General. So the timing, everything, the universe is working for us. The universe is on our side. Just remember that. Definitely. Nazma, we're looking to close. Um, like it really has been a pleasure hearing your story, hearing your passion. And your passion is definitely feeding into my to myself as well as the other listeners who probably would take up take up arms or support the cause more confidently or more passionately going forward. But before before we close, we always like to just ask some questions just to for our listeners to get a gauge of our our guests to see who they are as a person and these different things. So Apart from you being a can- cannabis advocate and this being one of your passions, are there any passion, any other passions that you have that drives you to get up each day to do what you have to do? Yeah, um, I want to see social justice, which is I want to see my people who are suffering get their, get their rightful share of what is ours in this country. You know, um, if that is through being allowed to grow herb, you know, removing those restrictions and also, um, you know, nature, giving nature back a rightful place in the scheme of things, you know, right now nature is taking back seats to everybody and everything. And, and we've lost sight of the fact that we are part of nature. So my passion is always to, to get back as close as I can to nature. And it's very difficult in Trinidad because, you know, everything is, the whole... Hustle and bustle, oil and gas. The whole industrialization has really corrupted the people, our spirit. So it's a, a serious fight, a serious spiritual war. But we ready for it, man. For sure, for sure. We definitely arms up already. And last question. Who's your favorite music artist? Desiree. Desiree? Yeah. Reggae, reggae singer? Yes. True. Okay. I actually listened to a couple of her songs. She, she's cool. I actually came across her by accident. I was like, but wait, who's this? She's actually pretty dope. So if you haven't listened to Desiree, definitely check out. She's a very meditative person. The music gets you thinking consciously. So for support there. So Nazma, yeah, man. it definitely has been a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll continue to keep in touch. I'm continuously following the movement seeing ways that I could um, be become a part of it. I'm actually in Jamaica next two weeks, so hopefully I'll be able to actually see more of what's happening in Jamaica, meet some different persons. Um, but before we do close, um, for those who want to follow you or want to learn more about the cannabis movement as well as the NGO that you are working on getting back up and running, where can persons follow you at or learn more about your, your work? Well, I'm on Facebook, Nazma Muller. I'm on Instagram, Nazma Muller. And um, I'm on WhatsApp, 1-868-274-2673. Uh, okay, we appreciate you being so open and, and forward with us. Anything you want to leave with the listeners before you go? Well, um, just, you know, if you can, let your voice be heard. When you have opportunities, you know, even on Facebook, because your opinion does count and your voice does count. And if you have the opportunity to speak up on behalf of the world, please do so. Exactly. Totally support that, that message. Support it however you can, whether it be within your friend circle, your family, you learning about it, doing a course online. There's so many things you can do to, to one, 
educate yourself as well as to support the movement. So, until next time, my people, continue to meditate and educate, and we'll keep in touch. See you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss out on any of the exciting news happening across the region. Until next time, remember to meditate and educate.